0: Welcome to the Go Strategic Podcast, where you will be equipped and inspired to ignite both personal and social transformation. Enjoy this episode. We want to help answer a question which is frequently directed towards us and is certainly critical to men and women who are engaged in the marketplace and the question is what is success now i'm not claiming that this is some kind of an ultimate message from god but i do want to give you seven measuring truths that i believe are real and have proven to be of value to me over the last 35 years in walking with the lord and in ministry i'm trusting that this will be helpful You can pass this tape on and along to those that you may want to share it with. And we're hoping that you will see the value and get interested in the business leadership school because it's not just about business or just about people that work in the marketplace. It's about leading people and building organizations God's way. And that begins with your personal life that extends on into your family, into a local church, a spiritual community, certainly into the marketplace, and even to the building of nations. We believe that it's a seamless garment of reality. It is a universe. There is one set of absolute laws that our Creator has given to us, and that our job is to discover those laws and follow those laws and impart those laws on to those with whom we have influence. And certainly one of the great questions that all of us have begins with, all right, how do I know when I'm winning? What is success? So follow with me as we share here for a few minutes, it won't be that long, on seven foundations or seven measuring truths to answer the question, what is success? And let me pray we do this in all our tapes and services connected with the leadership schools. Father, we're asking that you would, by the person and power of the Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear and eyes to see how to apply the truths and the values that we've learned from your Word. Father, I pray that everyone that hears this teaching, everyone that shares this time with me, Would be impacted by it properly and that they would, as I do, submit myself to the measurement of success according to your values and your word. And we ask these things for the glorification of Christ and his ministry on the earth through us as your kingdom comes and your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Let it be. Well, the first way to measure success is in knowing God as the absolute centering point of our lives. What could be more basic than that? Jesus tells us, what does it profit a man or a woman if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And that we are to to fear not those that kill the body, but those that can influence or lead or guide us or take us through our own devices into separation from god our number one measurement of success is in knowing the one true god the father and the lord jesus christ and the holy spirit and his truth his word and his community and his purposes that god would be the absolute centering point of all our decisions the way in which we measure success that we would define freedom not as the world defines freedom, which is largely the ability to get my way or do my own thing. But freedom is the ability to obey God. Freedom is a cutting away of those habits, those thought patterns, those selfish desires, those things where I misuse people, misuse others, misuse resources, so as to center things in myself Instead of centering things in God. Now how do I know when I'm centering things in God? Because he directs me to center things in empowering other people. Oh God make me free. Make me a free man. A free woman. As my sisters hear this. That you would have the ability to obey God. Freedom has been grossly distorted. It's been redefined by the world system, especially in the age in which I live. From the 1960s on, especially, is what do we want? Freedom. When do we want it now? Well, what is freedom? Freedom is not doing my own thing. Freedom is the ability to obey God. And freedom is from fear. I want to be free from fear. I want to be free from the fear of man that makes me parade and live before others, desperately needing their approval. I want to be free from the fear of rejection, free from the fear of death, free from want, as in the psalmist David in the 23rd Psalm declares, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The first great measurement of success is in knowing God and serving God and loving God, making Him the centering point Of our lives that all decisions would be measured by him that freedom would be defined as the ability to hear and obey him and that freedom that freedom would manifest itself in freedom from the fear of man the fear of death because we know and believe in the resurrection and the eternal spiritual realities of God and freedom from want the second measurement of success is the ability to live in obedience to God within his assigned relationships. All of us have people because the earth is, you know, filled with billions. God has assigned us people groups and relationships you are not an accident. You came at a specific point in time. You came through a father and mother. You came through an ethnic group. You came into an economic class. You came into a geographical area. You came into a whole set of relationships that God deemed His will for you to be planted into and grow. That doesn't mean you can't move. It doesn't mean that there won't be growth and new relationships but as the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12:18 we're planted baptized placed into the body according to God's will God is sovereign over our relationships and the time in which we entered the planet the time in which we entered history the place in which we entered history and the relationships into which he has baptized us I am a success if I see the relationships that God has ordained, that he mediates his grace in Christ through those relationships, and that I abide with those that God has called me to grow, live, and build with. The third criteria by which I measure success is living life as a disciple, a disciplined learner. Jesus called us to make disciples, which means we must first be disciples because the first law of transformation, as we teach in the business leadership school, is you must first be in the transformation that you're advocating others partake of. I must be a disciple before I can obey the Great Commission to make disciples. That means God must be in my presence daily Okay? I must be aware of his eminence. I must be giving him things to work with, giving him my mind, giving him my body, giving him my gifts, giving him my resources. Moses delivered Israel because he gave God a stick. He asked God, how will I have the tools for this new assignment? And God asked him the question, what is in your hand? It's seeing the resources that God has put into our hands and giving those things back to God. That's what a disciple does. A disciple lives in the daily presence of God. A disciple is looking for the Holy Spirit, cycling through the lessons of our day. So that as we read scripture, we can go through the day and say, Wow, this is that. I see how this experience is relating to that scripture. That's as good as it gets because it shows you the caring of God right down to the getting of parking places, right down into the minute details of life, a transcendent God revealing himself in eminence in his daily presence as we as disciples are hungering for growth in him. The fourth way that I measure success is in the discovery and the utilization of the calling and the gifts that God has given me, and then helping others discover the same thing. Obviously, every one of these seven points, the point is not just to experience them ourselves, but to be imparters, teachers, disciplers, as it were, fathers and mothers, spiritually, spiritually brothers and sisters relationally in empowering others to measure their lives by these same biblical principles. Oh, God, show me what you gave me. Show me what I'm going to be held accountable for. To whom much is given, much is required. Every gift is a stewardship, something that we hold in God that he expects us to bring increase to, as we see in Luke 19 and the parable of the minas he gives gifts so that we can learn to steward and bring increase i need to discover success is in discovering the passion of my heart what is in your heart who has captured you what are the things and people and causes that set your heart on fire to know that and to give yourself to that to be faithful in knowing that to discover what you must do on this earth before you die. One of the questions that I ask people when I go in and teach either privately or in a, in a larger group on some occasions is to ask the daunting question, how many of you know what you must do before you die? Because you know your calling, you know your passion, you know who and what Has stolen your heart and imprisoned you in Christ, as Paul describes in Ephesians 3, verses 1 and 2. The fifth way that I know I'm going to measure success is that I'm on fire, but I'm not being consumed. Moses turned aside in Exodus 3, verses 2 and 3 to see this burning bush that was on fire, but not consumed. You know, God has two problems with his kids. Two major problems. Number one is to get them on fire. And number two is after you're on fire to keep you from burning out. To find rest in the center of the storm. To find rest in the middle of your passion. To find rest and fire in the middle of your disappointments. To enter the rest of God, Hebrews chapter 4. Success is getting on fire Staying on fire, but not burning up. Number six, by accepting growth and the rewards of growth as a process of sowing good seed. That is making God's laws work for you, not just against you. So many times out of Galatians 6, we hear the law of sowing and reaping, make no mistake, a man will reap what he sowed, and that's obviously true, and that's a warning and admonition. But what if, what if, and you know I'm saying if because it's true, what if success is turning that admonition around and sowing good seed, which is the will of God? The law of sowing and reaping is not just a threat, it's a promise, How many of you are living in the promise of sowing good seed to God-ordained relationships, sowing good seed, sowing money into the things God wants you to sow money into, sowing life and time and energy into the specific things and people that you're called to do, knowing that because you've been obedient by the grace of God and you've learned how to lead people and build organizations God's way, that as you sow, you're going to be reaping bountifully. That to me is success, is not just being challenged by the penalties of the law of sowing and reaping, but finding the blessing of learning how to build and be rewarded in Christ with God as fellow builders with Him. Turning that law so that I'm sowing good seed, that I've brought to an end the harvest of the negative, and in constantly planning the positive. In obedience. Lastly, number seven, I am living a life where my assets and my money are giving me life, not draining life away. My assets are working for me, I am not working for them. And I share that with you because, as I said at the outset, This tape, this teaching has been given as a gift to those who have attended one of our seminars or our business leadership school, The Intensive, because we want it to be very, very clear what it is we're teaching. We're not looking for men and women who want to just prosper financially. We're looking for people who want to measure their lives by the success that God has given us in the Scripture. The soul winner is wise. Those who disciple and invest in people are wise. We're not advocating that you invite God into your business. In fact, we're advocating that you don't. We're inviting that you get into God's business. He isn't going to come into your business. His question is, are you going to come into my business? And if you're in the business of God... You're in the business of empowering and investing in God's kingdom and investing in God's people. God is in the people business. Profit is a fruit, not a goal. We are training men and women to find the building principles and the building laws whereby they can measure the success these seven ways personally in the way that they build and lead their families, in the way that they build and lead local churches, in the way that they build and lead missions and outreaches, in the way that they build and lead businesses, and in the way that they build and lead nations. For indeed, we live in a universe of one set of laws, a seamless garment just like the garment that Christ clothed himself with the one they gambled for because it was a prize and they knew it. A seamless garment of the laws of spiritual gravity as to how God does lead and reward and empower people, that we would learn those laws and apply them, planting good seed for a good harvest, and that we would learn the skills by which he builds and builds organizations. Because really those are the two eternal things that we will be doing as we worship God together in eternity and return to this new earth to rule and reign with Christ over it. We're going to be doing the same things in eternity. In many ways it'll look different. He doesn't say, Behold, I make all new things. He says, Behold, I make all things new, the resurrected And that which is resurrected is relating and leading and being led of people. The relational dimension of covenantial life in the community of the body of Christ. That's an eternal set of skills that God wants to give us. An eternal set of work, as it were, of learning. And an eternal set because community is based upon suborganisms, suborganizations. How do we build organizations according to the laws of God? That's what this business school is all about. Well, I want to reiterate these seven measuring tools that we're using as a measurement of success for those that we labor with, that we would know God as the centering point of our lives and the freedom he brings us in Christ and in obedience that we would live in obedience to the assigned relationships, that we would know our garden, so to speak, and tend it. Number three, that we would live as disciples, as disciplined learners under the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, having teachers around that can take us by virtue of their experience beyond where any of us can go by ourselves having generational transfer where we can pass on to our children and our grandchildren. For indeed, he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And anything that God builds is at least three generations in length. And that God would train us to build the same way. That we would discover our calling and our gifts and the passions of our heart to know what we had to do before we left this planet and obviously empower others to do that and all these other principles. Number five, that we would be on fire, white hot fire in God, but not be consumed. And that we would find rest in the center of the storm and in the center of labor, that we would enter into the rest of God. And six, that we would sow good seed, that we would be looking forward to blessing after blessing, because in obedience and skill and understanding, And in right relationship with God and man, these laws of sowing and reaping are working for us, not against us. And lastly, number seven, that our assets would be working for us and we would not be laboring for them. I've known a number of wealthy people. Some of them are totally distraught because they're filled with worry about losing what they've gained. We want to train people to discern the difference between life-draining assets and life-giving assets so that we accumulate more in God for the sake of the kingdom and passing on generationally. But what we've accumulated doesn't drain virtue from us. It doesn't drain energy from us. It gives us life. Jesus became poor for a season for a reason And then he went back to owning all things. If owning things is a sin, then God is the chief of sinners, for he owns all things. And yet he's shared them with us to steward them, to put more and more of his life and his possessions in the stewardship of those who have learned to manage and build his way. Therein is success, these seven pillars. May they be helpful to you. I suggest that it took years to come into these things. You won't get them in the few minutes that we've shared them. But may you listen to them again and pray your way through them. And as you begin to master them, obey Christ. Begin to disciple and teach and train others to walk in these same things. And we trust that you will explore the Business Leadership School. And by the way, again, if you're not just in business, although we all are, we're in the Father's business, like Jesus, we must be about it. It's about leading people and building organizations God's way, all of them. May God bless you, and I appreciate the time that we've been able to share here together. May you become a disciple that you can fulfill that great commission as we serve God and His kingdom, seeking it first here on earth. God bless you. For more information regarding the ministry of Go Strategic, please visit our website at www.gostrategic.org.